Welcome everybody to Stewards of the Sacred, Self-Leadership Ritual and Purpose in a Time of Psychedelic Expansion. I'm your host and the creator of this event, Natasha Pelfum, and I'm thrilled to present to you this amazing woman who has such an embodied knowledge who I've been following over the years, Stephanie Canavesio, who I probably is an Italian name that I'm not pronouncing right. <laughs> and um, I love to drop in with her today because her topic really ties into also the topic of our, of our event and also answers a lot of my whys I'm even showing up today with, with this conference. And their topic today is breaking free. So detaching from all paradigms and embracing self-leadership in a time of psychedelic expansion. So thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. So let me share with the audience your bio because so everybody really knows like who's, who's here. So I'm going to read it a little bit because I haven't mesmerized it. Uh, mm -hmm. Stephanie is a psychotherapist who has developed presence embodied an approach which integrates breathwork, compassionate inquiry of Gabor Mate, contemplative psychotherapy, and the microdosing protocol of James Fadiman, a former model and yoga teacher, Stephanie decided to devote her life to helping people heal their trauma after she experienced healing symptoms of trauma herself. She uses a protocol of one-on-one -on -one sessions, group sessions, workshops, and retreats. And Stephanie also shares with her husband, a passion for regenerative farming. They resource themselves in nature and silence in Ibiza with their family. And I'm so happy you're calling from Ibiza because that's actually where I started my retreats. So it feels oh, like a full it. circle. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah, wonderful place to have retreats. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. So, uh, but that's another topic. I would love to immediately, you know, drop in with you into because in the title, you know, old programming and embracing uh, self-leadership and one of the qualities of self-leadership is the power is choice. So I would love for you to maybe lean into this, the, the qualities of choice and the importance of, of this. Well, um, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm uh, humbled and I, thank you for creating that uh yeah choice is it's a hard um it's hard to define but because it took me so many years to understand that i even had the choice i think uh, one of the results of our programming is that we forget that we actually have the ability to choose but in order to choose, it is really asking us to take the time to slow down, which is not something we do often in our culture. We're always speeding up, trying to do more, trying to be more, trying to have more. And so before we understand, or before I understood that I had a choice, I needed to slow down so much to which what I, uh, I consider the state of presence. So being present with what is um, to slow down enough to even notice that moment when I'm coming from a place of reaction or when I'm coming from a place of a response, a response, uh, responsive wisdom. So that we have that, that 
possibility, there always is that moment where we go back into the past, uh, like we when we get triggered, for, for instance, and we automatically do something unconsciously, or we take a moment and we pause and we just in a split moment, it can happen. We come from a place of heart-centered groundedness and presence and choose something that resonates with our inner truth, not who we think we should be, not who we think we could be, but who we are in that moment at that at that specific time. So it, it does require slowing down, reeling ourselves back in, and remembering that we have the power to choose, am I going to go back into the old ways or am I going to choose something new, which is so relevant right now. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to the work that you're doing, and especially the, the body-focused work, um, which to me is one of the most important pillars of being in relationship to the sacred <laughs> because if we don't relate to the sacred in our own bodies in our own systems maybe you can share a little bit with the audience your own personal path in in that relationship and the embodiment and your calling in that sure um i was spent the majority of my life deeply unaware of my body deeply disconnected from my body even though i was a yogi I I was a model for many years. For me, my body was more what other people saw and what they wanted from me and what their needs were. So I would say I was more focused on what the external wanted from me and trying to fit into that mold to belong. Uh, it drove me to drink. It drove me to take, uh, I, I took a lot of drugs at that time. And I woke up one day uh, completely feeling disconnected, complete meltdown. I had a series of panic attacks that took me to the hospital many times in Paris when I was living there. Um, I would feel sometimes very connected and then I would kind of go back into my, uh, back into my mind and back into my pain. And in order to avoid those feelings or to numb, I would drink like all my friends did at the time. And at the time in 2004, 2005, 2006, nobody spoke about trauma. There was, there was no problem with it. We were just, all, we, were, we were having fun. It's just for me, it became, I, you know, I would have, I, I remember going to see Amma the Hugging Saint and then going to temples and Buddhist temples when I went to Bhutan, um, just experiencing the sacred when I would be in churches or in certain, uh, actually at the time I was drinking ayahuasca, I had a deep, uh, a deep practice with the medicine, but I didn't, I hadn't done the inner work. And I, I, I sometimes say that I have a PhD in spiritual bypassing because <laughs> I was so good and I had the outfits, I had the feathers, I had the music, but I wasn't embodied. I was suffering inside of my mind and of who I was. And it, I ended up melting down with the panic attacks. And I knew that something had to change, but I didn't know how or when to start. And miraculously at that time in New York City, 
my husband uh, at the time had just began pr producing documentaries and he produced a documentary uh, called Neurons to Nirvana and Gabor Mate was being interviewed for it and he came and stayed at our house in New York City in Soho and stayed with us. And um, it was the first time in my life that I stood in front of a person so close to me that noticed me. And he saw, I was, I was thinking I was being a good host and I was asking him, can I give you this? Can I give you that? Is there anything else you need? And he looked at me, put his hands, you know, he, he put his hands on my shoulder and he said, I'm good. How are you? And I, I broke down. No one had asked me, like, how are you? Like, really? And I could see and I could feel this deep love inside of him. And uh, he just finished a book in the, um, When the Body Says No, and how uh, there's a lot of re research pointing towards uh, the effect that how many women that get breast cancer are actually um, associated with people pleasing. And he shone light on how I had was people pleasing. And he just said, you know, I've, I've seen all this research, be, 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 notice that about you. And I began working with him then. I didn't even know it was possible to do this type of work, to notice my body, my feelings. I, did, I went on ayahuasca retreats with him where he would do the compassionate inquiry the day after the ceremony. So there was integrative work after the psychedelics, which is absolutely, as you know, a key. And, um, and then there began my journey of, uh, went back to study contemplative psychotherapy and little by little unveiling my layers of, of disconnection in my body. And, um, and so then I studied uh, therapy with his, in his program, Compassionate Inquiry from 2018. And, and then, yeah, now I'm a therapist and thankfully, it began when he planted that seed within me. So that's where, that's in a nutshell. Mm, that's so beautiful because it it speaks to so many things about being seen and heard. And, and that actually it gives them the permission to drop into where we need to drop into, <laughs> you know, in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah, which is very humbling and if we've never, most of us were never shown by our parents how to um, navigate emotions. And so, you know, my father was an alcoholic and my mother was severely traumatized and never really uh, been able to, ha to have any therapy. So I kind of adapted all of these ways of behaving through that. And it's not at all blaming my parents. I love I love them, but understanding that we are at a time in history where we have the power and the ability to acknowledge our ancestral programming and patterns and behaviors and belief systems and how we have the power to also choose be, and choose new ways of, of living our life. And, and so that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. That's when I refer to when we are breaking free. Yeah. 
And that really is also around, you know, moving beyond fear and drama and stepping into those qualities of, of self. So is there, you know, is there something that you have learned along the way from your process, but also witnessing your clients and the work that you've been doing about what that exactly means going beyond fear and that drama and what it takes internally? You know, that's most important. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, one thing the most important is that it's never too late to do, to begin the work. And the work begins exactly where you are. So it's not like we have to displace ourselves or be like someone else. And we live in a culture, social media, where we compare our paths to others. How come I'm this age and she, you know I, I'm not like her? It, it's natural that we want to belong. It's natural that we compare, but it it only reaff reaffirms our own self-limiting um, beliefs of being unworthy and not good enough. And our culture thrives off that. We live in a culture that is not designed for our well-being, but is designed to keep us sick. And that's paraphrasing Gabor, um, the myth of normal. And it's just understanding that we are not, um, we, it's almost like we have to literally detach ourselves from the external in so many ways to do the work because there is so much distraction. So I would say in uh, the, 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 the most important and the first step is finding a sense of safety and connection within. And that, that's why I use the tool of meditation all the time, because meditation is nothing more than finding a moment of silence with that which is. And if there's anxiety, if there's fear, if there's um, uh, rage or anger, that we actually have that ability to turn towards ourselves and make space for everything that's there. And, th and so... This is a choice to move away from distraction and move away from all of the ways that we numb ourselves. or like for me, sobriety was epic. It's epic. I became sober four days after I stopped drinking alcohol. I had a, a true spiritual awakening where I had a whole body, my whole body became activated and I felt spirit flowing through me after four days. And I drunk ayahuasca for years, seven years before that. And I, 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 I prayed for to awaken my spirit, but I still didn't have the, I wasn't willing to take responsibility for how alcohol was keeping me back. So it became all of my, my journeys became about it, it's so intelligent, the medicine can be so intelligent. It, I would see how uh, alcohol had gone back four generations of my father. I could go back and see his father and his father and how much our culture today is numbing itself with, with alcohol. And it's somehow taboo to, I mean, I'm not an AA. I'm, I think AA is great, but I, I healed actually through microdosing uh, I, it had helped me a lot to kind of get off the alcohol, but, um, I needed to detach 
from that programming in order to to allow spirit to move through me and but i was so stubborn i didn't i because i didn't want to let go of my soothing i didn't want to let go of like linus has his blankie and snoopy it was my it was my comfort and i still i understand why people go to drink it's like yeah it's so intense now but if there's one thing i really if 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 people, if, if you are struggling it's worth that risk of trying something new and and because it's so powerful the effect of alcohol on our system and drugs and for my inter for the way i feel even you know weed is also very addictive so anyway that's just my experience yeah i don't know if that resonates with you yeah absolutely because it speaks into uh the path of leadership but also the path of understanding ritual to its deepest form is all parts of purification you know purification you're speaking into also into the mind purification our psychology purification is understanding the me that i can't see or shadow work you know the parts that we hide and that's also part of purification but then our our systems our whole our whole systems our whole operating system and all layers need purification on many levels so can you speak into the purification, for example, of the soul and what, what that entails? So, um, yeah, good question. Um, I'll respond to the way that I'm feeling is that our, our physical body is of, of the highest technology and that our, from the way I feel things is that our soul comes in, incarnates into this body to have a human experience. So um, our soul, from my, from my understanding, our soul is pure. What needs purification is our psyche and mm -hmm. uh, our bodies, the memories that we hold inside of our bodies and in our DNA as well, um, we carry from past generations unresolved stories and traumas and moments of disconnection. And it just so happens there have been many wars and um, many famine, famine and despair and um, poverty. And our previous generations um, didn't maybe didn't have necessarily that awareness to uh, deeply purify at that time. This is, or I don't know if the word is purify, to 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 reconcile. Um, I feel like there's just this huge opportunity for our humanity right now at this moment in time to do this work. And they didn't necessarily have that, those opportunities. Maybe it's because we have more free time. Maybe it's because the dire need for our planet to receive healing and, and our humanity in order to thrive and to survive that this is a necessary part. We can no longer live the way we used to live disconnected and using resources. And, um, you know, we are kind beings. We are not, it's not human nature to, to leave each other out or be mean or to, you know, go to war. I don't believe that. I believe that we have a basic human goodness and we, are, we all desire to be connected to that. But our outside circumstances are so chaotic that they're pushing us almost like into our pain bodies or 
into our shadow selves. So people are losing consciousness with the, the connection to their higher consciousness, to, the, to our potential that we all have. But we're because of the fear that we're being fed by the media, uh, we're it's like almost feeding feeding ourselves on on literally through our foods, through our water, through our air, through the media. We're literally um, being malnourished. So that's a that's a that's that's happening. But there's also another truth and that other truth is the possibility when we notice that that's happening not get too caught up in the story and we allow ourselves to come into alignment and and then you mentioned the soul live our soul's purpose um, by connecting in, and and the soul being our authentic self or our true self or um, our higher self or uh, yeah, who we are uh, truly inside of our heart, not not here. So it's a huge shift of consci consciousness from our controlling mind into our the abundance of our heart and to live from that space. Do you see in the work that you're doing that there has been a shift in terms of how people are showing up in relationship to these topics? Um, the sacred mm -hmm. ritual purpose soul um, um, the wounded place let's name it that the trauma like have you seen a shift over the years of things that are happening it's mega I've just I so I was involved with the workshop and with Gabor Mate in London now uh, for harvest he spoke and then he offered a work or he gave a workshop and it it was so beautiful to there were 90 people in the workshop and there, I, there wasn't one person in the room that wasn't deeply moved to tears. It was so, it, he creates such a safe space and I was so honored to assist him and to allow people to be vulnerable because he's, you know, uh, Gabor says, um, or I, I don't think it's Gabor, I think it's A.H. Almas, only when compassion is present will we allow ourselves to truly be seen? So it's something to that, I paraphrased it. So only when compassion is present, do we allow, present, do we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and allow ourselves to be fully seen? So um, that evening as well, he gave a talk to, for 2,500 people to the English, an English crowd after he's been destroyed by the English press because of his interview with Harry where he was highly critiqued because he dared mention trauma uh, in the royal family, which clearly um, <laughs> Gabor says that the day that the Princess Diana uh, died, the father, Charles, came into the room of Harry and woke, he woke him up and he said, there was, your mother was in an accident. Uh, she's no longer here. And he left the room. And there was no holding, there was no, like, can you imagine just little, an eight-year-old boy hearing that without, you know, without even a hug? I don't know. Anyway, it's, so what, to get back to your original question, 2,500 people showed up in, uh, in the UK for a talk on trauma. And Gabor 
just revealing, just revealing by being his authentic self, um, just what's going on and how much there's been so much conditioning and programming in in our minds that is that is needing our attention. It's making us sick. You know, the majority of women, the majority of people with uh, autoimmune diseases are women, and um, and how much women have taken on so much stress, and men too, but women being the householders and um, being feeling responsible for others, and just this general humanity feeling not good enough. So all of these, all of these programming in our minds and belief systems and the patterns of worry and doubt, how much we blame others for our uh, unworthiness, like all of these subjects we can talk about now, there's no more taboo that we can, it's actually, it's, if, we, if we're in a safe environment, that's, this is how we heal with these conversations in group settings. So that's why uh, it's not taboo anymore. And more and more people are talking about it because there's no other way. It's like, either we're going to get sick, you know, we're going to, we, there's, we, there's no other choice. It's like bro, bulging at the seams. Truth is bulging yeah. at the seams Yeah. in each of us. Yeah. And it's showing up more and more and more that we're realizing that even if we would go from maybe, uh, let's say our Western perspective on self-leadership, we can say, okay, you know, adaptability to change, compassion, non-judgmental, uh, you know, working on uh, self-awareness. These are qualities that we could bridge. And then if we bridge it towards maybe the traditional way of working, uh, the shamanic way of working, the wisdom traditions, there's all the same kind of qualities that are needed. Compassion, right relationship, you know, honoring all of life, humility, which are core aspects. How do you see those that that bridging and and in the work that you do um it's a it's a practice of presence and it's understanding that nothing is random and that especially the challenges and conflicts that we face as difficult as they seem and feel they're perfectly designed to assist us to coming into alignment so it's not it's like it's that's why the practice is so important of noticing like what's in your energetic field and instead of judging yourself or judging others notice the mind for what's happening to develop a place of a moment of self-inquiry where you can ask, what is this showing me? And, and then what is this showing me? What do I kind of, what do I, what do I need to know? It's, 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 it's almost like recreating a dialogue with your internal world. And the, the, like you said, the, the qualities of compassion, of adaptability, flexibility, awareness, all of those, and, 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 um, acceptance and forgiveness and uh, just the acknowledgement of it being there, but understanding that the old pattern would have been to judge ourselves for it, but the new is how can I bring this part of me in closer? 
how can I lean in? Like you said, how can I lean into this? And it's, it's particular to you in that moment and you developing your awareness. So your ability to witness it will then engage. It's like repro it's recreating those grooves in your mind, the pathways so that you make that connection is, so what does this part of me need and how can I show up for myself instead of distract, abandon? Because um, the abandoning is what I would do, for instance, when I would go to drink or when we go to social media or we go to shopping. It's just how, how we avoid the uncomfortable, how we avoid not feeling is, is um, to, to begin to witness that. Like that's this, what's worry. Worry is one of the biggest issues that I suffered with because when I quit drinking and I quit doing drugs, I worried so much more. It was, it, I couldn't get out of my mind because, but I had been numbing that for so many years before with the sub substances. So when someone had said to me, worrying is like praying for bad things to happen. I thought, oh my God, that's genius. It is because if we are creator beings, if we can create from our minds, we can also destroy, we can also set ourselves up to fail by catastrophic thinking. And so the only way, the, like the number one way to move through this is just to notice there i'm doing it again oops i did it again like i think i think that was like a britney spears song but at the time <laughs> it was like a super popular oops i did it again yeah i think we but, all sang along to that knowing <laughs> that of ourselves <laughs> just like noticing it and it's the same in meditation when you go back and you're in the and you're caught in a rabbit hole in your mind and then you're just catch yourself and maybe you've been there for six minutes or maybe you've been there for three days, but just notice, oh my God, there I am. And with kindness, compassion, gently, but firmly bring your attention, bring your focus back to the present moment, back to your body, back to your resources, the ground beneath you, your ancestors behind you, the divine above you, and create the safe container again to actually feel what's happening underneath in the body so that's that's um mm, i love that a, you're saying create that safe container because that's part of the the ritual and the day-to-day -day ritual uh, that i think is so missed in so many environments in the west you know we have a hundred thousand rituals a day but we just don't look at it that way you know <laughs> yeah but how how is ritual in your life you know how how do you are with ritual and bring that with your maybe clients or personally? Uh, I know the first thing in the morning when I wake up, I go to an altar. Uh, I never, I didn't, I didn't have an altar for most of my life. I mean, I mean until my thirties, did I even realize the importance of setting a space of uh, symbols and visuals that reminded me who I am. And, you know, at the time, Pema Children was one of my teachers. 
uh, the Dalai Lama used to be it, very important for me in the beginning. Now teachers, you know, mentors change. Um, Tara Brock, I really enjoy as a teacher now. Um, uh, there's a, a saint, Saint Teresa, that I I I connect to a lot. There's certain churches that I've been to that I really connect to the energy there. So I put them on the altar. Everybody has their space. In the morning, I light a candle. I say good morning and I say, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I feel the aliveness inside of my body. And then I go and another ritual for me is having my morning coffee. And I, I tried many times to quit, but I really enjoy drinking coffee. <laughs> I know when I have to not drink too much, much and to calm it down, but I ask my body, it, make, it brings me joy. And then I go for a walk with my dog in nature and I allow the sunlight to come into my face, come into my eyes, come into my body. And generally I do some exercise. Those are my rituals. And then I come and either I meet people in my yurt. I have a yurt in Ibiza. I do weekly groups twice a week. I give classes in Ibiza and then I work a lot online, one-on-one. -on -one. And that's my time for myself to do what I love. And so it's more like once I found what I love and I, ha I just have to say, because for many years I looked for my purpose and I didn't have any idea what my purpose was. And um, I suffered a lot from that. I really judged myself to be 40 years old and not have, a, or 38, not have a purpose. But then the more I connected to my truth, the more I aligned to who I was, emerged my purpose, mm -hmm. emerged my potential and emerged my uh, also ability to prioritize. Because now in today's day and age, there's so much we could do, but learning to prioritize is, is really important. And to understand, like, maybe I'm not going to listen to all the podcasts who I want to listen today. Maybe I'm going to miss that call or miss something. I need to prioritize my self-care right now. And, um, and so that's, like, by tuning in, it seemed like my, my purpose came. It emerged. It's not like it went by on a silver tray for me to choose. <laughs> that's my purpose. That's what I used to think. And so, yeah, going with the, going with that flow of letting life unfold instead of trying to control is a big lesson. Yeah. And, and what I'm really hearing you're saying is, is really speaking into truth because, you know, truth is such an important quality to cultivate and practice. It's a real practice. It's yeah. never ending that self-regulation internal of okay there is a truth but and then how do you show up with some of the truths in the world that's not it's not an easy task it's a real commitment um but once you've felt the stamp of it that that's the only way to walk a path of devotion for me it's a path of devotion um there's no no looking back and you might go slower the pace might be different you may, might yeah. take some time but truth is an essential yeah, you're right aspect. to say that it, it, yeah. it asks for pre uh, patience because yeah. once we get on the path, I many times I wanted now and not anymore, 
but I, in the beginning, I wanted it to go faster and I really needed to reel it back in and slow myself down and, and, and take that space. Yeah, exactly. In terms of, you know, uh, the qualities that we've been speaking to purpose and self leadership, and, you know, all of these beautiful qualities that we hope that everybody cultivates, you know, with self so much self awareness, but also with a lot of compassion and love what you've been speaking into. What does it mean for you? I mean, you know, maybe asking your purpose is a very private thing, but maybe can speak into what it means to you to be a steward because you know in a way I believe that all of our purposes link into something that is beyond ourselves and is in service of something bigger yeah right so I feel that would you like to speak into that a bit from your perspective yeah no it's very beautiful the I, I love uh, the word or the idea of being a stewardship steward um, the more I connected to spirit, so the more that I, I released my old programming and my, I, I was able to uh, notice my beliefs of, you know, as they were emerging. And it's never ending, by the way. I mean, this past summer, a lot of, uh, in my close relationship with my husband, I felt that I, a, a lot of ways that I used to cope weren't working anymore. And I feel that this was often very something very uh, common in the collective of women that I spoke to of just needing to really own our truth and really speak it and say, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not fixing anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be responsible for this. Stop giving, you know, the, the discernment part of discerning is this mine. I, 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 ref I call it like the Maria Kondo effect, but using it in our life, like, does this bring me joy? And you keep, and if it, does this bring <laughs> me joy? It's like, no. And the old way of being, of people pleasing and of fixing, I just couldn't do it. There was just no, I just forgot. As my, as I embody myself more, those patterns and are almost disappearing and dissolving, but it's, it, you know, obviously my husband didn't like that. <laughs> I, I mean, he it kind of like, he, he, in, initially he didn't like it, but that's why I feel so much about how the feminine are actually leading, leading this, uh, leading us, leading, leading, leading the way is that by us speaking our truth and owning it and embodying it, it actually gives men permission to step into their, their embodied masculine which is very beautiful as well, because it's not easy for men as with all, especially in Ibiza, there's so many strong, gorgeous warrior women. The men here have been a little bit, you know, lost in translation the past couple of years. So they created groups for themselves and the brotherhood. And that's beautiful that that's rising, but then in close relationship, how is that? It's, it's been, a na it's been navigating an edge and, allowing the new to emerge so back to your question which I'm trying to remember oh about being a steward yes it when 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 I when I open my heart and I allowed spirit to flow through when I connected uh, to my 
to the more subtle realms, the angelic realms, the galactic realms, the, the, celest the celestial realms. Like when I allowed myself to open, I received uh, a deep knowingness of when when to move forward with something and when like when you reached out to me i immediately felt a yes in my body to to for this interview and i i i, I love what you do and i i know that this was resonating and and then other things like other types of relationships or maybe friendships or social gatherings that I would used to go to, I just naturally don't do them anymore. So I feel like it's a following a feeling of connection and, and allowing the divine to speak through us. Like I'm working now a lot on opening up these chakras. Um, I mean, I, I work a lot on the chakra system, just it's come intuitively and opening up to receive more, so not having to figure it out and allowing myself to kind of go with my intuit, my intuition, my my inner voice, the voice of my soul. So learning that frequency and allowing myself to follow that. And it it does ask for I I would say I was a kind of a control freak and controlling perfectionist type of a person it meant I had to embrace the fear of the unknown, which is really freaky for somebody who's really controlling all the time, like a lot of my clients and me, it's opening up to really be with the unknown. And just like, I don't know, and be okay with that. And in that, allowing for life to wow me with beautiful opportunities and the more that I trust because it's the trust the more that I trust the more that opportunities are opening and I I really have it's it's been beautiful to witness uh, how miraculous life can be if we allow ourselves that gift of trust and letting go yeah 100% and one of the things I personally I always want to bring in is now you have this dream or you can some people might say okay I have a goal that I want to move towards or an ambition or do something and all of these things are beautiful to have and I always invite myself to have a third thing and that's like not knowing because what I've been proven over the years is that anything I thought of was great yeah. but anything I didn't know was much better <laughs> Amazing. so that just showed me that my brain is pretty limited in thinking and dreaming into things into existence but it needs to be a feeling and then just let it go and then how that manifests is much better than whatever goal I set out to do so that's also it's so liberating to the trust. it's so yes, liberating it I mean it's almost too good to be true like why didn't I do this before how come they didn't teach this in school yeah I mean now I know why they didn't I mean whatever but uh it's too good to be true i mean it doesn't make it doesn't mean that there're not going to be challenges and conflicts and and dilemmas of course that's like it's just that when they arrive we have a different perspective of them and it's more seen as okay wow shit after the initial maybe moment of 
you know, shock. It's like, how can I, how can this, how can, I know I can trust that I'm going to be, if I show up fully, I'll move through this. We're almost coming to an end and I would love to uh, close our session. We're just asking you from all of what we just shared, is there anything that maybe we haven't touched upon or anything that I haven't asked that you feel like, oh, this is important in, in, in this conversation and this transmission together, really? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and it's something that I am hearing constantly these days. And it's never underestimate the power of the divine. So as divine beings of light that we all are in human form, understanding that in the depth of our, uh, in, in the depths, we have the ability to connect in our heart to outside, uh, well, they may seem external, but to the subtle realm. So connecting to our ancestors who've passed simply by do you want me to, do you have two minutes? I do a short yes, invocation. Yes, yes. Okay. Of course. So grounding through the bottom of your feet, bottom part of your body, and acknowledging Gaia, the great mother, Mother Earth beneath us. Just take a moment to say thank you through your heart. And feeling Gaia and Mother Nature, feeling her loving you back. How does that feel through your body to be loved by this, by the celestial body underneath us, surrounding us, holding us? And then in the back, in your back, uh, visualizing one specific ancestor. that you really connected to, feel yourself in their presence, and then ask for them to open the door to your ancestors on your mother's side and your father's side. And remembering that through your DNA, you, you are also carrying stories and narratives, but also strength and ways to assist you. So feeling the frequency of the your ancestors moving through, coming through the back of you, and then above you, calling in the divine, the angelic realms, archangelic realms, feeling using your imagination to visualize and feel the angels, the beings of light, the elementals, the galactic realms, understanding that most of us are coming from different star systems. We have different aspects of us that we can connect to. So just feeling your own light family, family of light, your guides and protectors above you and calling in the masters, Jesus Christ, Mother Mary, Buddha, Allah, whoever you resonate with, just allowing your field to connect to the field of the divine. 
And then remembering all of the other humans on the planet and that we're all going through this massive shift together and we have one another. We have others that are feeling just the same as we feel and we can connect to them to remember that we're not alone and that we belong here now in this place called earth and then hands on your heart, connecting into your unique, beautiful soul, connecting to your heartbeat, just taking a nice deep breath in, honoring yourself for showing up today for you, for you. And then exhale with a sigh. <sighs> and understanding that no matter where you are right now in your life, that you're exactly where you need to be to grow. And offer yourself some kindness, either an embrace, a hug, just a gentle wink that I got you. And then allowing your eyes to gently open. And I thank you so much for this conversation, for your gorgeousness and questions and everyone listening for this opportunity to be together. Because it's in the, in the frequency of one another that we heal. That's, thank you so much for this lush closing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your time and space out of your beautiful work and family, you know, you know giving some, someone your time is an honor. So I, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank that. you. Thank you so much, Natasha.